And we are live. Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm delighted to say I'm here with Rosie Tompkins. Uh, she's an author, consultant, a coach, uh, a speaker. Um, and she has a very deep interest in uh, our connection with nature and this idea of natural intelligence or our NQ. Uh, one of the books she's written is Instinctive, which is uh, the one I read in preparation for this show. Uh, she's also got a new book coming out called Let Nature Be Your Compass. Uh, I can't wait to get into this. I've not heard of NQ or natural intelligence before this show. Um, so I'm always excited by new concepts and ideas, especially if we can apply them to you know, how we live and how we lead. So Rosie, a very warm welcome from your garden with the birds in the background to the show. Hi, Richard. It's a pleasure to be here. It, it couldn't be a more apt setting uh, to, talk, to, to talk about natural intelligence. Um, so for those people who are not familiar with you or your work, perhaps we could start um, with, a, with a potted uh, history uh, of how you came to be uh, where you are uh, today. A little bit of background for our listeners and viewers. Okay, so my background has always been in business. Um, I'm a kind of serial entrepreneur. And um, during my kind of journey, I kind of um, brought together three different businesses. And um, in the final business, I sold my company to a PLC. And I was kind of uh, very luckily put into a boardroom situation. And it very quickly dawned on me that in business, we tend to always looking for like 360 degree, you know, feedback forms where we're looking to improve all the time. And I decided that if I ever went into training, I'd swap, turn that on its head and look at celebrating strengths rather than trying to improve on, on kind of skills that we don't have. And so that led me down a journey of looking at training from um, a different perspective. And again, from communication side, we tend to always think that communication is um, about talking. But the reality is, as most people know, 90% of communication is nonverbal. So I kind of married the two together and decided that I would try to run a training business that looked at the nonverbal communication. Um, and as I say, looking at celebrating strengths and using nature as, a, as, a, as my compass, really. Right. Okay. And you've got a, an inspiration in this in horses, right? Your, your background is polo playing am I getting that right <laughs> well I wouldn't say it's my background but I mean I've never I wasn't brought up in those kind of circles but um I've always ridden I've I I brought up in Manchester and I used to steal down to uh, a local pig farm and literally <laughs> ride the local gypsy horses bareback with a piece of string <laughs> so that boded well for my life when I ended up eventually playing polo because obviously I could ride like a red Indian um, and I hadn't got, <laughs> hadn't got the training to kind of uh, get rid of. So as I say, a lot of my, the work I've done in my life has been instinctual. You know, I've actually worked from uh, flying by the seat of my pants rather than going to a business school and learning all the models and, um, you know, that, that people do learn in business school. Saying that, um, during consultancy and things like that, I've also learned how to apply the business models to the natural world. So there's a great kind of com combination here of kind of learning these much needed models, but then applying them to the natural world so that it can help us and strengthen us in different ways. Right. Uh, and so when you 
you decided to to take this this training business and as you said non-verbal communication being part of it but also inspired by nature what where were you looking for that inspiration or was there a particular event or did something trigger this particular interest in in nature so yes i mean i would have been quite cynical in the past about um taking business into nature and i think i had the most as always in my life something happened and in everybody's life, there's a kind of turning point. Um, and I was lucky enough to be asked to go to work with some horses. And, and to be honest, I thought this woman was completely cuckoo. You know, I thought, why would I be working with horses in the middle of a business environment? Um, and five minutes in the arena with a, a beautiful four-year-old stallion with nothing. You know, there was no, I wasn't riding it. I wasn't wearing a, a head collar. We were just at liberty together. And her first coaching question was, could you find his potential? Um, and that was quite an ask, because you can imagine to be alone in an arena with a, you know, half a ton of horse and trying to find his potential. And um, I struggled, I've got to say, you know, for a, a little while. Um, and then it had, I had the dawning of what was going on here. And it was this collaboration between the two of us that we had to work on. Um, the, the leadership and followership and learning what he was trying to tell me about his ability. Um, and of course, we couldn't talk to each other. So we had to work in a different way. Um, and within 10 minutes, I could see a pattern appearing in the way I, I work that all, uh, often frightens people. You know, I'm a pioneer, so I can go quite quickly into situations. And I forget sometimes to tell my team and to communicate with them about what it is I'm trying to do. And that was a fantastic learning for me um, because I was just about to go into a merger or I was just being brought out by a PLC. And it allowed me to reassure my team that this was going to be all okay and that we were going to work together and there was obviously going to be cultural differences, but we could very quickly um, you know, smooth that transfer over by the experience that I had with the horse in the arena which is extraordinary. Um, right. And that's where the journey started. And, you know, three or four years later, I'd remembered this experience and I thought, wow, why don't I explore more and do some research and see what's going on here? Um, and I think we were talking earlier, I met up with the mind math people who work in stress in organizations and they came over and, and uh, put all the electrodes on me and, and wired me up put me under stress by asking me maths questions <laughs> and then um, saw the difference in my stress levels when I was actually out in nature and working with the horses. So my heart variant pattern changed dramatically from being you know, under stress and then out in nature and working with horses. And I thought, wow, this is something really important. Wow. Yeah. Uh yeah, that's fascinating because we've had somebody else on the show, and I think I mentioned this earlier, who's who's into forest bathing. Yeah, and and the research they've done there in terms of when we're exposed to the phytoncides, right? These these uh, chemicals that that, that trees um, excrete, and how that reduces our stress level. But I hadn't considered also being in contact with animals. Mm. Um, you know, would have such a such a powerful impact. Um, and the science. So, Sorry, the science behind that is also really important because I hadn't a clue, but apparently, you know, the heart of a horse is so much bigger than ours. So then their electromagnetic field around a horse pulls us into their frequency. 
So we feel this incredible calm, um, which now has been back with science. It's not just woo-woo. Um, so that's really exciting as well. Well, isn't that interesting that it's well to consider that for, for so long in terms of our human evolution, I mean, right now we're in this sort of this, these endemic levels of stress and, and depression, anxiety and so on across society. Uh, but we're also at a time in society where we've, we've never been less connected from nature and, and had animals in our lives. If you think about historically how much we would have been around horses, just to name one animal, as well as many other you know, animals all the time. Uh, and now we, that, that, that's very rare for us, isn't it? It's, it's interesting to yeah. consider. Yeah. And I think, you know, people assume, you know, we, we, well, we, we assume that um, we go out in nature, you know, we go and take the dog out for a walk and we forget that we actually are nature. Uh, we are animals, mm. and, but we're just a different species. And that's really, really important. And this kind of disconnection, as you say, this move away, you know, to an illusion of separation is really causing us a lot of grief as the human race. Yeah, yeah. And something you wrote in the book which struck me just as you were speaking was that how if we observe nature, we don't, we don't, we don't see animals stressed about, you know, where, where's their next meal, what's going to happen tomorrow. They're, they're, they have this, this, this trust in that the environment will provide or seemingly right i mean you know yeah again you know, i think you know we we wake up in the morning and we you know we look at our problems and our situation and our challenges for the day but animals in the wild um wake up in the morning to face more daunting challenges than we can ever imagine you know they've got to find food they've got to find shelter they've got to find water and they've got to stay alive um and as you say they seem to do that trusting that they have everything they need inside them in order to do that yeah and i suppose by applying that message to your team going through a merger yeah uh, made a big difference definitely yeah yeah um so to zone on the, on the, on this term then nq yeah, yeah could you could you talk about you know what how, what's that defined and how we distinguish it from IQ, EQ, and spiritual quotient, which you also mentioned. Yeah. So again, you know, it's very difficult for me to be taken seriously if I go into a boardroom and start talking about uh, nature and horses. So I wanted to find something that really um, encompassed what I was trying to uh, get across. So, um, you know, we all know about the IQs. We know that, you know, IQ is really important for the job you do and the attributes you need. We know that EQ is now very, very vital within teams. Um, some people know about SQ, spiritual quotient. Um, but for me, it's this natural intelligence, the NQ that seems to be missing. And I talk in my book about uh, business being a, th a three-legged stool and we need to make it a four-legged chair because that uh, NQ is really the positive use of your instincts, insights and perceptions, which allow you to make decisions at speed um, from a place of deep knowing so when I do that and I, I talk to people in business, I always give the example or I look at lots of examples. But one of them that seems to resonate is the story of the Hudson River landing with Captain Sully Sullenberger. I don't know if you remember that. Um, where yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Yeah. This amazing pilot was in difficulty coming out of New York and he was told by the control tower to turn the aircraft round and to land back at LaGuardia. And he, in his moment, decided with all his experience, with all his learnings, all his skill, 
and everything. In that moment, he used his NQ, natural intelligence, uh, to land the plane on the Hudson River and obviously saved many, many lives by doing that. And that's an example of where you're bringing together all those intelligences to make that very, very quick decision. And and I say, we, we all have that within us, but it's been layered and layered with lots of kind of um, you know, politically correct um, stuff that stops us doing that. And we tend to just come from a thinking place rather than a knowing place. Right. And um, which then begs the question, you know, how can people, I suppose, identify what level of NQ they have and, and also work to develop their NQ? Yeah, so as I say, it's, it's, everybody's got it. So another example, which I, I love, is um, a friend of mine's a doctor. Um, she was struggling with a patient who had mental health problems and the patient was really kind of, you know, upset and distracted and they were not really knowing quite what to do. And then a nurse comes in who obviously with all their experience and their wonderful kind of attributes and she's just stopped everything and she just sang a song. And the patient then immediately um, uh, was, was relaxed. Now that's not in a textbook. So what is natural intelligence is all that learning that comes from you, from your experience, and is not learnt in a textbook. And that's what I'm really championing is please go back to yourself and believe in yourself and the strengths you have within you um, and that will serve you and lead your life that you want to lead rather than being distracted by all the other stuff that goes on of being like someone else or following someone else's code of ethics or all those things. Just learn to believe that you have everything you need inside you. Right, right. And I understand that this is going to be a theme in your upcoming book, Let Nature Be Your Compass, um, around validation. Right, yeah. and that sound we we spoke before the show. That was a strong theme, and it seems like you're you're talking about that here, and an NQ versus seeking validation. Yeah. So again, you know, validation again is something that we're not always aware of. It is internal and external validation is so important. And you know, I don't. And many of your listeners will have children who are really looking at external validation to create their confidence in their own ability. Uh, whether it's, you know, exam results or whether it's getting ticks on Facebook or, you know, they're growing their whatever it is of the, their friends on, on whatever it is. Um, and I think we've just got a, an epidemic of people who are looking down. I call it the looking down generation who really need to be looking within um, because all these young people have got everything they need inside them. They don't need to follow anyone else. They just have to gain confidence in their own ability to lead the lives they want to lead. And I, I'm really concerned that they are losing that and they're always looking to be validated by someone else or something else. Um, and that, that's one of the themes in the next book. Mm. And how do we... How do we then come into our own power? How do we connect with our, our natural intelligence? So again, you know, I, I believe that it's all to do with nature. Um, I think that everybody, wherever they live, can look outside the window and look at the sky or the, you know, the moon or whatever it is or, um, and look at how nature works with all sorts of challenges, even like the common spider that people are so frightened about. Um, they are such a wonderful architect. You know, they build these incredible webs. They take hours and hours. Resilience is what they're showing. 
And we walk through a gateway that they've just built this incredible web and sweep it to one side <laughs> without a thought. And this poor spider has to then re, re come back and rebuild its, uh, its, its web somewhere else. Um, and to me, that shows incredible resilience of this little creature. And it's everywhere in nature, um, whether it's the learnings are incredible, you know, just the emperor penguin the amount of, um, uh, what would you call it, hardship that that emperor little penguin has to go through to even bring, to keep its egg alive and to bring it through, you know, to bring a new generation forward. And that inspires me every day. You know, the, 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 the way animals um, are, are have these extraordinary I'm not, um, qualities uh, to keep going in, in uh, situations of um, incredible stress. Um, and also like communication, we can learn a lot from just simple things like the bees. Um, again, I didn't know until my mother told me about the waggle dance of the bees. And I thought she was having a joke. You know, I thought, how can bees dance? Uh, and then I looked it up and I realized that they, they communicate by dancing. Um, so again, how extraordinary that, you know, that is part of nature. And it goes on and on. You know, all animals have um, different attributes um, that they share and we can learn from. And, and I know that when you work with clients in, in, as, as a coach, you, you, you're using horses, right? And this is yeah. one of your access points into nature. And, and So can you share a little bit about that work and, and the types of things you do and the impact that has? Yeah, so... Um, it does seem very, very strange. I mean, I don't use horses all the time. I call them my partners. So um, it's just horses have the most incredible qualities. For one reason, they're a prey animal. So we're predators, obviously. So what fascinates me is their, their propensity to come back from stress and to want to be with men. Um, so that is one of the things that I think is really important, that they seem to want to serve us and have served us for many years, as you said, during wars, and um, they provided transport, they've provided plowing fields, etc. But the horse has also this ability to help man and to, as I say, want to serve them in some way. And to me, that's absolutely fascinating. They act as a mirror to what you bring. So because they're not talking to you, they're watching your energy all the time, and they are reading that 90% of nonverbal communication. So when I'm working with people, I can see what they're bringing to the world uh, by the way the horses are reacting. Um, and that is, you know, you can bring fear, obviously. Um, you can bring great qualities of humility to a horse. But whenever I'm working, there are three things that are incredibly important that the horse needs. One is that need, the horse needs to feel safe because we're a predator. Um, it needs to trust you. And it needs to know who's leading right now. And that, I believe, is the same for man. When we meet each other for the same time, your first three kind of questions you're asking are, am I safe with this person? Can I trust you? And who's leading right now? And that's the important qualities that the horses bring. And they give this incredible kind of uh, opportunity for insight, which brings about exceptional learning. Mm, mm. And you've got a story in the book, I think, about a Pakistani businessman who worked with you. Uh, and I was really touched, actually. I, I'll be honest, it made me cry when I read that story. 
Yeah, tell, tell us a bit about that experience. And I, I find that amazing. You know, a lot of men are touched by that story and it does make you cry. Um, again, it was, <laughs> um, I, I like to work, um, what's the word? It's, it's, it's always bespoke. I can't, do, it's not a kind of um, a cut and a carbon copy or a jigsaw or anything like that. I like to work with people in different ways and, and whatever their challenge is, I try to build it around what I call a context. Um, and in this this particular occasion, I, I don't know why I went completely off brief. Um, and um, we worked on leadership and feeling leadership rather than seeing leadership. So I had this idea of um, maybe blindfolding him and taking away his visual capacity in order for him to feel what leadership was. <laughs> and so, you know, the poor chap was dragged around. The- Good on him for going with it, right? <laughs> yeah. He had so to you training course. <laughs> he certainly had to trust me, had to feel safe. But the, the the main thing was that when we moved, he didn't know I was going to take him into an arena with horses. He, he was blindfolded. But when I laid his hands on top of the horse, um, something incredible happened. Um, he wept um, and he stood there shaking and weeping. Um, and, you know, he's given me permission to talk about this because it was massively um important to him and then afterwards I said would you like to talk about it and he said absolutely um you know my life as a child was around nature I was brought up in you know the foothills of the Himalayas and nature was all around us we had dogs horses and everything else and now I'm in London he's very successful um computer guy working in an office uh in central London and he hadn't realized that this uh huge part of him had been lost um, and he was feeling very unhappy uh, the way he was feeling, very successful, made lots of money, but had this sense of something missing. And it was this connection with nature. And he hadn't really picked up on that, as we all do. You know, we're all busy working hard. And we forget that, that has, there has to be some form of balance. And this is what happened to this guy and he went back. He left me after about an hour. He was meant to be with me all day because he'd had this amazing insight and applied it to his business and his life. And it changed his life overnight. He was able to delegate all the stuff and then allow himself to have that space to be creative in nature. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what a story. And sometimes I suppose it takes that visceral experience mm. uh, that, that touches deep down emotionally get that strength of insight that's then going to transform your life right we we have to go often very deep i find that in my own work right if you can get to the depth you can get that transformational insight which is just like new knowledge it's it can move mountains right and it happens all the time you know um the clients i work with are not always told where they're coming you know it's up to the ceo to allow them to know where they're coming and um obviously they are told before so that if they have any allergies or things like that we keep them safe um, because people make up stories about, um, you know, what a waste of time it is to be outside the office um, and in nature. <laughs> uh, what, a, you know, what, what, what am I doing here without my phone? I've got all these important people trying to connect with me um, and I'm standing in a field with a horse and they don't give themselves that wonderful time that we all need just to have for themselves um, in order to re- recharge them, to re-nourish them, 
to bring them back to life. Um, and that's what I find all the time. The resistance is often there in the beginning. Um, what am I doing? And then afterwards, it's like, oh, wow, um, I completely forgotten uh, that, that you, know, you can learn so much from the natural world. Yeah. And I think what's different as you speak is that we do sometimes have the, you know, they've almost become a little bit cliched, right? Where you, you go outside and maybe you've got obstacle courses to go over, or you've got some challenge with barrels and planks and rope, and you've got to work as a team to, but, but you're, which is like in nature, or at least it's outside, mm -hmm. but yeah. those activities aren't asking you to connect with the natural world observe the natural world get curious about what you can learn from the natural world it, almost as we talk now it feels like a lost opportunity with some of these sort of outdoor oriented experiences yes because we very i mean we very rarely the, the great thing about working with the horses is you get to see how others see you it's not about doing tasks. Mm. It's not about completing tasks. It's not a competition. Um, but you suddenly have an awareness, this incredible awareness of how others see you. And that, to me, is the beauty of it. Because we can't see ourselves, obviously. And you can't fake it when you're out in nature. Because those three things apply. The horses are immediately read if you're faking it. So they know that, you know, if you are scared or whatever or nervous, you're not congruent. Um, so they, it's easy for me then to, I, I work, I always say I'm a bridge between what's happening in nature and what's happening in business. And then I can apply it back into the business environment. Um, and, and those, those insights are their own personal insights. Nobody's telling them what to do. They have those insights and then they apply it in, back in their own business. And that's the important thing as a coach, not to put these ideas in people's heads to actually make, you know, allow them to feel them. Um, and I say the animals, um, you know, the, the horses are just absolutely amazing. And we know that stress in the wild is a natural way of being. But we need to, from the horses, you learn about boundaries, you know, how to approach a horse, how horses see the world. And again, you know, then we can apply it straight back to our organization where we have lots of deep, different characteristics, people who need different things from us and gives them much broader knowledge and, and a bigger toolkit to work with. Right. Yeah, I can understand how how it would have this expansive quality, right? Because you're you're exploring in different dimensions. And yeah, the, the, the broader the toolkit makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you you talked about the the new the new book coming up. I don't know if it's in the new book or you were just mentioning it as we were talking about it. But tell me about worm casings. Well, this is new news to me as well, actually. <laughs> I, I know you, they say you learn something every day. And, and um, I was chatting actually to an electrician whose son is following a path of, uh, say, my, into research and science. And um, he's looking at, you know, all, all kind of different uh, uh, experiences in the wild. But this worm casing is very exciting. It's a bit on the lines of the naked mole rat. I don't know whether you've heard of the naked mole rats in my book. Yeah, no, I've seen that. It's <laughs> extraordinary, aren't they? And please, if you don't know about naked mole rats, look them up because they have these incredible qualities. They are completely immune to cancer. Did you? I don't know whether you knew that. And I knew they, that. Yeah, yeah, no, that was one of the. And they live. They they don't age, do they? No, they, they live till about thirty. And they the worst the thing that makes me laugh so much is I would say they're quite ugly. 
I mean, that's a terrible mm. thing to say. They're no, they are ugly. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, you know, they are loved by many and they're loved by each other. You know, so they, they, they you know, that makes makes me think about judgment it brings us into you know humans are so quick to judge uh what you look like what you you know what you're doing all of these things what job do you do what title what car you drive and yet animals are all come in all different shapes and sizes and colors and they find each other and they find each other attractive and and they bring different attributes and i think that again something like the naked mole rat has bring, brought all sorts of of steps forward in science and it seems that these worm casings are doing the same there are some incredible healing properties in worm casing um which they're now exploring and i just feel again you know we all know the difficult situation with our environment and all of these things are going to be lost before we can actually um discover them um and they're there for us to find and i hope they'll be there a lot longer <laughs> So I'm now intrigued because I was saying I've got I've got a wormery in my garden, and now I've got a lot of worm casings, which is basically just worm poo, right? It's just yeah, a yeah, nice way yeah, of saying yeah, worm yeah. poo. Yeah. And um, I'm now wondering should I be giving myself, you know, some casing, you know, masks? Face <laughs> <laughs> masks. I don't know. I mean, I'll have to I'll, I'll have to go back to the scientists to find out what they're actually finding. Or do, or do you <laughs> do you put a teaspoon in your coffee? Um, <laughs> So, so again, so, so in terms of it, we've talked about validation and, mm -hmm. and you know the looking down generation, and, and it's about looking looking within, connecting with nature. That's a theme in the in the new new book. Let nature be your compass. Are there any other you know strong themes you want to give a, a teaser of for people who might be intrigued? <laughs> so again, you know, uh, what's who who's the book aimed at? I think is an important question, isn't it? And that's define your audience is what I'm always asked. But I think the book is about people who. Everybody, anybody who's looking for something uplifting and thought-provoking, um, it's a business book in some ways, but it's also a personal book. It's about your own leadership journey, um, running, leading the life you want to lead without being told by others how to lead it. But also it's a book about learning about your team. If you have a team in business, how to understand them better, how to get you know, the best game, your best game to the table, and also, if you're running a business, about how you can strengthen your own ability and your own confidence in your leadership ability um, going forward. Because even if you're, um, you know, leading a massive organisation as a pioneer, um, the, the doubts are there. You know, people think that you, as a leader, are always sure exactly of what you're doing and where you're going. But the doubts crop up. And you self, to, you know, start to question your, your own ability, and hopefully, that will strengthen people to look outside and to say, "I can still do this." Look at what's going on in nature, and all these incredible stories from nature and metaphors um, to kind of support them on their whatever their journey is. Mm. And and you strike me as being somebody with immense confidence, right? You've had this extraordinary success you know, as an entrepreneur and you know now now being an author and so on um what you know what have you relied on to bolster your own confidence what's what do you think has made a difference for you personally rosie in that respect yeah i mean i think again it's you start to realize what has be, always been there and as i say as a little girl born in manchester i didn't come from a family of uh people that were in nature or looking to connect with horses but from that 
very early age, I found something outside in nature, and it happened to be horses, that brought me um, a sense of, um, of, of of kind of everything's going to be okay, uh, the confidence to try things and fail, to be be who I was, um, because they animals are who they are. They're always on purpose. You know, they, a, a giraffe doesn't try to be a snake. Um, they stay with what qualities they have, and they have this deep belief, as you said at the beginning, that, um, that is the trust that everything's going to be okay. And once you can kind of lean on nature in that way and, and uh, you know, looking at the, you know, in winter, everything shrivels and dies, but there's always a spring, you know, <laughs> spring blossoms, the trees come to life again. And um, even on the prairie, you know, it can look like there is nothing there. And then suddenly wildflowers appear. So no matter what you're going through, if you can look to nature as your kind of crutch, in a sense, to pull you through, um, uh, I think that is where I get my strength from. And I hope that others will too. That's, that, and that's beautifully put. And I, I like that, that it rests on just, well, rest is a good word, right? But it, it's, it's sort of relaxing into everything's going to be okay. It's not necessarily about pumping yourself up and trying to sort of put something on yourself it just everything's going to be okay and that's that's a foundation of confidence i i, I love that message i think that's why we love dogs so much you know we're a dog you know the uk is a dog loving country and people get immense pleasure don't they from their dogs um yeah. and it's that reassurance that they're getting all the time from the animal that you are acceptable to me, you know, that you come through the door and they love to see you and that whatever mood you're in or whatever, whoever you are, they love you unconditionally. Um, and that, that's why people, I, I believe, have dogs um, because they're not, mm. judged, they're not being judged. There's no ego. They don't care, as I say, what car you drive, how much money you've got in the bank. They just love you unconditionally. Yes, yes, that's true. I mean, I'm thinking back to the dogs I had as a child. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I experienced that now I reflect on it. Yeah. Um, and you're right, we're really, we are definitely a nation of dog, dog lovers, the Brits, aren't we? I, I, I read something recently about a Spaniard like living in Britain. I just couldn't over how many dogs there were like everywhere, even in the towns, right? You would say, you know, in Spain, in the countryside, you might have a few farmers with dogs, but, you know, with Brits, we, there's dogs everywhere. In handbags, you know, in yeah, everything. Um, great. Is there is there anything, Rosie? We've we've missed anything? You you know, we've not touched on that you you'd like to speak about? Um. Well, there's so much I could talk to you about. I could talk all day about what I love and the nature connection. I think, um, as I say, for me, there's an element of self judgment. I mean, we cannot, as humans, get away from this continual self-judgment piece and again you know we wake up in the morning we think oh gosh you know I'm, my hair's I'm losing hair or you know does my bum look big in this and you know all these horrible things that we're aware of and just to say that nature doesn't do that um yeah. it doesn't see you know it has I, I you know sometimes it's it would be lovely to be an animal you know as a, as in a wild animal because they don't have all this self-judgment going on they just are on purpose um, they're there to do the job that they were born to do. And so are we. And, you know, to let go of all that judgment is a massive message for me from the world around us. 
And, um, you know, that, that inspires me greatly. And as we get, you know, getting older and all of those questions, uh, it doesn't matter who you are, what religion, what color, what creed, what you look like. Um, it matters what you have within you and what you're here to do, what you're born to do. And that's what I find, um, as I say, um, I, I see every day from a natural perspective. So I hope that is a message that people can also hear. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I love that. And I'll give an example of that. I, I, I um, A little story. Have you got time, Richard, for a little story? No, we've got all the time in the world, yeah. <laughs> so when I was lucky enough to sell my business into a PLC, um, they bought me lock, stock and barrel. And I was... Um, as you, as you can see, I love colour. So I, I kind of walk, walked into this organisation in my lovely bright cult, my clothes and um, my wacky ways of being. And they bought me for my creativity and my, my, my kind of, I suppose, um, my difference. Yeah. And within kind of two or three um, months of being in this organisation, guess what happened? You know, I felt very threatened by everyone else who was wearing these beautiful suits and they were all grey and pinstripe suits and uh, black suits and things. And, you know, it makes me laugh now. So I was a little bit feeling a bit vulnerable. So I started to wear them as well. <laughs> so I started to wear pinstripe suits as well, just so I could fit in, you know, into this environment yeah. um, and to be like others and to kind of not stand out. Um, and that was, the, you know, it took somebody, actually a coach of mine to say, well, the whole reason that they bought your company is that you are different. So for you to then suddenly try to, you know, dull your light or, you know, to dull yourself down yeah. to fit in is not bringing any benefit to anyone. So, you know, it was a real lesson for me just to be who you are and um, to, um, to continue being who you are because that's what they needed from me, that kind of difference bringing something different. And in my work at the moment, I see a lot of politically correctness and I challenge that all the time because, again, how does that serve an organisation if you're always politically correct? I'm not saying that, you know, we should be rude to each other. Absolutely not. Um, you know, I'm about respecting everybody and everything. But fundamentally, if we don't get step up, and show us something, you know, lead, lead when we know something to be right. Um, with the organization, the people around you are, are missing out on something special. Um, so being passionate and actually speaking out is really important. And, and you know, especially in an organization. And I get, I work with them to change their leadership perspective with the horses so that they move from this kind of politically correct version of themselves to who they actually are. And that's a, mm. a massive, massive insight that they have to, you know, um, try different leadership styles. And they do that with the horses, try these different leadership styles. Then they find out who they are, what's their innate leadership style and what is appropriate to the organization right now. So, again, for me, that learning is really important. Know who you are, not saying fake it till you make it, absolutely not. And saying know what your innate leadership style is. But then learn how, you know, if it's appropriate, you might need to change for a short while. Does that make sense? So, you know, again, if an organization is in a startup mode, you cannot really be collaborative because you've got to move at speed and make decisions at speed. 
Um, doesn't mean you have to stay there because that's exhausting, but you can move around different leadership styles so that you're quickly able to adapt to what the situation requires. And I think mm. that's also a really important thing. And, and how does that r- relate to, to the idea that you present in the instinctive book? Um, yeah. Lib- liberated leadership, freedom plus responsibility equals happiness plus performance. Liberated leadership and rotational leadership is something that I should talk about all the time. Knowing that you have great uh, ability, you know, you're a brain surgeon, we all know that during an operation, you'd want the best of the best operating on you. Um, however, when you move from that environment into a different environment, as I say, you then might want the best nursing care. And that nurse is then leading the situation. And for me, it's not about labels. It's not about who you are on your business card. It's being able to adapt to uh, being able to follow as well as lead so that you can use different strengths within your team. And there's no kind of ego attached to that. And so for me, to be able to rotate leadership in a business is absolutely critical and to have no ego attached to it. Who's the best person for the job? And animals do that all the time. So when I work with horses, I work with a herd of horses. I know very clearly, and again, my guests or my delegates don't know that, that there are different strengths in the, in the herd. And I ask them to find those strengths. And they, there is an alpha female, there is an alpha male. And what really excites me, you know, I ask them who the leader is and why. And most people do go for the big, strong guy who looks impressive to be the leader. And actually, in reality, in nature with horses, it's the alpha female that leads. And she leads on direction of the herd. So she will always, she's the oldest, the wisest. She knows how to conserve her energy. So she leads the herd in the direction that the herd needs to go, whereas the alpha male's strength is in protection. So he's always at the back. So he pushes the herd in front of him so that if he has to, he can turn and fight the prey. But it rotates Mm. all the time. And within that herd of horses, you will have horses that are broodmares looking after the young. But there's no ego. There's no, you know, I'm the leader of the group, so you listen to me. It's all done in a very collaborative way, bringing their strengths together for the greater good of the herd. Mm, mm. Oh, well, that's, uh, that's, that's fascinating, just, just that dynamic. I didn't know that about horses. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. And, and so, so it goes on, you know, Richard, I could be here for, for a long time telling all these amazing things that I've learned and sharing with you. And um, yeah, it just, it is extraordinary. I would never have believed that I could work. If someone said to me, I'd be working with business and horses, you know, 15 years ago, I would have thought they were the barking mad, you know. <laughs> um, but it's the speed that you get to understand what's going on in an organization, that mirror of what's happening is just shown up by what the horses are doing, the boundaries, the energy that you bring, all these kinds of things are explored in the arena and then brought back into the classroom for further discussion and for, you know, to working out what we need to do with that information moving forward. So you're in and out of the, of the arena. That's presumably where all the, the horses are. Yeah, so at the yeah. moment I'm working on a, a year-long program with, I won't tell you who it is, but a big organisation. And I work 
on some of the work, you know, so we'll work outside some of the time. But on a year long program, I'll probably just have maybe three days. And all those wonderful insights that we've brought in together outside in nature will then be brought back into the environment, the classroom or into the boardroom to be discussed in different mm. ways by different techniques and different skills and different you know, professional uh, facilitators. So it's, again, it's the kind of collaborative thing. You can't just do this work in a vacuum. You have to apply the IQ, the EQ, the SQ as well. Yeah. And, and, apply it to the and it sounds like what you're doing here is you're, you're applying it to con context i was reading a, an article yeah. yesterday about leadership development programs and you know why they often fail and one of the failure points was a failure to appreciate yeah context it sounds like that's something you're yeah. extremely attuned to that's that's where we start context has got to be the main starting point because and you get that from discussing that with the people in the, in the business and we do one-on-one -on -one kind of conversations with them before our program even starts to get the feeling of what the context is otherwise you could be shooting in the dark you know you could be trying to work out a problem that you think exists but isn't the real you know the nug of the problem yeah and no. what i love about this is so far from here's the curriculum here are the modules this is what we're going to go through it's you can go uh, yeah. at any time. That's what's so fascinating. And it challenges yeah. me because, of course, I can't control nature. <laughs> no. So, you know, yeah. if something happens and I immediately have to um, apply that to. So in a situation when I'm working with elite sports people, um, we had a situation where they decided they would bribe the horses with food. Um, so I suddenly found the horses were kind of gone into chaos because suddenly there was the food was in the picture and I had to suddenly apply what's the learning here why would it be you know bribing would cause such chaos and I was able to connect with the fact that I I realized that some of these top um, sporting groups very rarely actually work together for very long you know the England teams they're always players in England team and um, there is all sorts of distractions for them you know, lots of money distractions, lots of, you know, better qualities, that better uh, clubs that they can go and join, you know, as we know. And so there was a huge learning about bringing in something again from outside, um, which was this, this horse food. Um, uh, and in their case, some kind of bribery contracts, whatever, that then opened up a massive discussion about how we work as a team. Uh, I don't know whether you can see the parallels there, but it was for me, oh, I had yeah, no absolutely. idea what was going on. And then I realized, ah, this is what actually happens in these elite sportsmen's worlds. You know, this yeah. money and, and fame and, and paparazzi and all these things have a massive influence on them. Yeah, yeah. It just reminds me of the story of Leicester City and the English football team who yeah, outperformed yeah, yeah. all of their high much more highly paid uh, competitors, right? In the, yeah, in the league. Yeah, absolutely. They found that coherence as a team. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, wonderful. Okay. Um, well, this is, this has been, this has been brilliant, Rosie. I've really appreciated, uh, well, the underlying message really as much, as much as the specific insights and the, and the content you've shared and the stories you've shared. Well, I hope um, the okay, so go on. So I hope the listeners have too. I hope that they've enjoyed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so again, so we'll we'll put 
uh, link up to, you know, to, to this book, um, Instinctive, The Power of Natural Intelligence. People can pre-order your forthcoming book, uh, Let Nature Be Your Compass. Um, and if they want to engage you, if they feel like some, uh, you know, some time with you and potentially <laughs> your horses would be valuable, um, where's the best place for them to find you, Rose? So uh, they can look on my website, which is n-instinctive.com. So it's a little bit of a mouthful, n-s-t-i-n-c-t-i-v-e.com, instinctive.com. Or they can find me under Rosie Tompkins. I mean, I come pop up in all social media, I think. Um, if they want yeah. to phone me, can I give a phone number or not? Is that not? Yeah, true? go for it. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you can phone me on uh, any time, 0702-803-321. That's my um, mobile number. Um, to chat about things or to say, as you've kindly said, uh, my new book is pre-order on Amazon coming out on the 31st of October. Um, so um, please look out for that in the bookshops as well. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you once again. This has been fantastic, Rosie. I really appreciate your time from your, from your garden with the beautiful birds singing. <laughs> thank you very much, Richard. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.